0: Salutations and welcome into Let's Be Civil, Infotech's podcast with civil discussions on civil infrastructure. I'm your host, Nate Binder, and here with me today, as always, is my co-host, Chad Schaefer, our VP of Revenue. Chad, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about you, Nate? Doing well.
0: Doing well. Football season's back, and, uh, you know, so I have something to look forward to every weekend, and that's
1: pretty nice. Absolutely. I love both college and pro football.
0: (laughs) Yes, and finally, uh, you know, Florida State graduate, myself, finally have a reason to watch that team play every weekend, which is nice. It's (laughs) It's been a minute. Um, So today we have a pretty neat episode. We're gonna be diving into the much-discussed topic of construction industry safety. We'll come at that from a few different angles and talk a bit about the role of technology in enhancing safety on the job site. We're joined by two guests, Adam DeLitovitz, a senior account manager for Infotech with a background in construction project management, and Michael Osa, an office engineer with GM2 Associates. Gentlemen, could you each tell me a little bit about your, your background and expertise? Uh, we'll start with Mike.
2: Thanks, Nate. Yeah, my name is Mike Osa. I'm an office engineer for a full service engineering firm based out of Connecticut. Um, been doing this for about 12 years. It started in early 2012. Um, so I'm in my 12th year. Uh, I've been in the construction industry, my whole career, uh, started in the field as a field inspector and worked my way up and now an office engineer. Um, you know, using a lot of the InfoTech products, using a lot of the the industry technology, um, and kind of administering it uh, for each of the projects that I'm on.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to talk a lot about sort of the field office dynamic in this. So that's a, sure. a great, great experience. And I also see, looks like a New York Giants uh, schedule in the background there. Are you? Uh, uh, yes, are you-
2: my New York Giants, Connecticut Base, New York, New York, New York. Yankees, Giants, Rangers, and Knicks. Yeah, at least to, you're not a Jets fan, Mike. Yes, so I saved myself some, a little bit of angst. It's not much better being a Giants fan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would I would love for them to pull an offset uh, against the uh, San Francisco 49ers tonight. That's, uh, that's I know that might be a tall task, but looking forward to it. Still be watching. Still be watching. And uh, Adam, how about you?
3: Yeah, so uh, thanks, uh, Nate. And um, I uh, have been in the construction industry for 25 years, uh, the last 15 of which have been uh, similar to Mike. Uh, It's been directly in construction inspection. I started out as a line inspector in the field, worked my way up uh, as a chief, and then ultimately as a manager of construction inspection uh, program for uh, various different uh, civil engineering companies out of the New England uh, area, specifically to the Connecticut market. Um, And most recently, I've uh, sort of moved on from that part of my career to where I now uh, and, uh, I'm a senior account manager for Infotech. Um, but I was primarily hired as a subject matter expert uh, for bringing construction tech to this industry, bringing construction tech to the field and how we can really start to push the push the envelope and and the construction industry as a whole into a technology driven uh, basis uh, that it's probably long overdue for
0: awesome yeah we're i've already relied on that expertise quite a bit so we're thrilled to have you um great so we wanted to talk about safety in particular because it has always been a, a relevant topic i think obviously for the construction industry but anecdotally from from my own just reading um what you know fhwa is putting out or or things in you know publications like construction dive it seems like safety is ramping up a little bit lately as a topic I know f h w a has been uh, leading their zero fertilities uh, initiative, so I guess my first question is, do you think that that's accurate that you know uh, safety is being discussed now more than ever, and if so, why do you think that might be
3: i mean i I can jump in and start on this one um you know i think that with uh you know the rise in things like distracted driving um more technology in our hands more technology in our vehicles um, much of which is meant to make life easier uh has created more distraction particularly on roadways um and I would even venture to guess that with things like phones, we see probably distraction on job sites that are in the vertical market, right? So buildings as well, Um, and even tech being applied in the vertical market. But sticking with the horizontal theme for a minute, you know, I think that as much as we see accidents uh, just in general on the rise because of people being distracted by the tech that's in their car and the tech that's in their hands, that same level of logic applies to construction. I think we see those same people, um, you know, creating more near misses and close calls and more accidents, unfortunately, in uh, in highway construction zones.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting to think like, you know, a major topic for our conversation today will be the role of uh, technology and enhancing safety. But you kind of have to start with what's the role of technology in increasing risk in in the first place. Sure. And, you
2: know, a a little different or an alternate spin on that too is with all this infrastructure money that's coming out, you know, more money, more projects, more projects, more people, more workers, more work zones, you know, more exposure, you know, the DOTs have probably never had, you know, this much exposure in terms of active work zones on interstate highways, you know, in a percentage based, you know, analysis. So, you know, we have, we now have, and I don't know specifics, but, you know, there's that many more nightly lane closures. There's that many more workers on the road there's that much more opportunity for things to go wrong. So I think, you know, as a part of this infrastructure funding bill, there's money allocated to increase worker and, you know, public safety. I think it's a big part of it.
1: So I I think those are two great points, but I guess I'd like, you know, you, Mike and Adam just to, comment on this question is, you know, certainly with IIJA, there's a lot more work, um, more than ever before. And there's also additional requirements for, you know, transparency and collaboration that may have not historically existed, but simultaneously, you know, the civil industry is also seeing a record labor workforce shortage. And, you know, Mike, you just mentioned more exposure, more projects. Do you think the labor shortage is also playing into the some safety issues? And what I mean by that are the same people just overworked, where, you know, technology, so there's mental fatigue, they might not be as cautious on a night worker, a dangerous construction site, where that mental fatigue's really kicking in. And we do need to come up with better ways technology-wise to keep them safer because of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, just look at just look at the amount of work that goes on at night now. There's so much volume on the roadways that we can't take the traffic lanes that we used to be able to take to in the, in the daytime, right? So, everything is pushed to nights. Leading a, you know, a, a lifestyle where you're working at night, you know, is 12-hour shifts, maximizing the allowable lane closures, r- rushing home to send your kid to school, and then trying to sleep for four hours before your kid gets off the bus, so you can spend a little bit of time with them in the evenings, and then get back to work. So yeah, absolutely. The you know the 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 style of work has changed, which leads to worker fatigue and you know a different style of work. I guess is the best way to put it.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, Chad, that's a really loaded question, right? Because mm-hmm. I think we can I I can comment to this in two ways, right? Part part of it that we could go on a whole other podcast about is probably the fact that that's true of every person driving just about, right? Uh, Worker shortages is driving more people, I'm sorry, less people to do more in order to keep the same uh, level of, of production just in general. Um, it, it may be um, you know slightly more slightly less in market, but I think overall as we've seen this reduction in workforce, right people are working more hours, they're working longer hours, they're working more days and that just generates more fatigue period and that includes in the motor and public to the second half of that question or or the the primary piece of the question absolutely. Um, you know from a worker safety standpoint and from a worker standpoint, we see the same thing going on and to some degree in the new england market we've seen it for the last 10 years maybe longer there's always been sort of a labor shortage in the inspection department that's now seeing a more widespread um appeal there but that has resulted in
0: uh again as Mike put it, taking, you know, taking work and
3: putting it offline overnight uh, so that you can do more in, in larger periods of time. Uh, you have inspectors that are out there that are tired. They're not used to the to the shifts in in, uh, in working time frame and the bodily changes. And then you add on top of that more rigorous demands, higher workloads when they're not in the field and in the office. And it does, it creates a mental fatigue. It creates a, a physical fatigue and a mental fatigue, and when you get right down to it, you know if you're talking about something like a paving train in live traffic, where you've got barreled, you know, barreled uh, lane closures without without engineered barrier controls, let's say, in a temporary work zone, it could be the difference between a guy accidentally stepping out into a live lane of traffic or getting close enough to it that he gets hit by something like a mirror. Um just because he's tired, he's been working 12 hours, it's almost the end of the shift. Um, the materials are hot, right? The the equipment is hot, and maybe it's a 90 degree night out if it's in the summertime. So yeah, you know, all of those things compound and can create ripe conditions for increased uh increased safety issues and accidents.
0: And we think a lot about at least when I have always thought about, you know construction industry safety. It's its falling objects, it's hazardous conditions, it's moving heavy equipment, it's things like that. But both of y'all have brought up that mental fatigue aspect and how that can sort of just chip away at your focus and lead to little mistakes here that can build up. So I, I was wondering if you could touch more on sort of that, how mental fatigue can, can increase the risk on construction sites, but also what are some of the solutions to that whether it's technology training things like that
3: uh you know just following on with what i just said and i'll i'll pitch this to mike afterward yeah i'm glad you asked that question Nate, because you know i think we we talk about a lot of things in construction and in horizontal construction, again, that we can control with things that are engineered controls, right? Um, Mike and I, before we before we came on, uh, or before you came on this podcast, we were talking about blasting that's going on on Mike's site. Uh, blasting, which is putting uh, closures out on I-95 temporarily. And that's because that's an engineering control, right? The blast mats are an engineering control, all of the different things that are being used to keep, you know, debris from being blasted all over the place and creating damage are controls. Fatigue is one of those things, and fatigue in the workforce is one of those things that's difficult to cover with things like engineer controls, right? There's there's not been, up until recently, a lot of good solutions other than training, recognition, and, uh, you know, positive uh, behavioral... Controls like mandatory breaks. It's uh, hot outside. Drinking enough water, making sure you stay hydrated. Those types of things aren't aren't hard and fast like you know blast mats are or or barrier curb. Um, so I think you know one of the solutions that we're starting to see uh, and that we're talking about today is the fact that there's more and more uh, digital inspection tools. Right. Um, Just an infotex case, uh, you know, Appia and even the the uh, the products that several of the DOTs use um, are are specific to making the role of the field inspector easier to try and help reduce the burden, uh, particularly the mental burden uh, on them in order to provide some some um, capacity to where they aren't so taxed to where they're being put into a position where mistakes can happen. Mike, Mike do you want to follow on with, with anything,
2: you know, with that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all relevant stuff that we deal with every day. You know, like just a silly example, we're out there, the utility company says, hey, we're going to work tonight. We had every single inspector work today. So mm-hmm. hey guys, who wants to volunteer to come in tonight to do a double, you know? it just happens it's part of construction um so yeah we have tools in place right like adam said we have the tablets we'll send you home early you can still get your eight. you can still do your DWRs when you get home you can you know you can review the submittals from home you can you know you can do anything you can make your payments you can do anything that you need to do from this little ipad sized tablet you know anywhere you need to be um so it's a challenge um you know we have the tools or or some tools in place to mitigate some of those challenges and it all circles back to the staffing right i mean sure can we have a guy on overhead that's the floater that covers night shift i mean sure but it's just not a practical it's not a practical world we live in today um
1: yeah i'm sorry is there a particular i'll say somewhat up and coming technology you know such as a laser, laser scanning of a site drones i mean you hear about lidar so many others that you are i guess particular interested in that you think could really help with that where it's somewhat taking that inspector away from the site at times you know it's sure they have to double check and enter the information but it's not putting them you know in as dangerous as situations.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. This is a big one for us down on East Time. So I'm on a project in East Time, Connecticut. So it is a $150 million uh, interchange and bridge reconstruction project. Um, so we've been kind of blessed or authorized or partnered with the DOT to run a lot of pilot projects for them. So we're running exactly what you said. We're doing a lot of survey, uh, drone surveyed work for for quantity purposes, for you know final condition checks to, to make sure that elevations and you know the work is built per plan. So um, yes, to your point, we have drones out there. We're flying the site. We're as Adam said, to mentioned the rock blasting. You know, we're scanning the rock blasting as we go. We're flying over it. We're coming up with quantity reports. We're coming up with, you know, existing ground surveys, current ground surveys, how far are we off from proposed surveys? Um, So, yeah, absolutely. That's keeping the surveyor off the top of that cliff in theory, you know. He's not up there shooting points with the GPS or a total station anymore. You know, we have an FAA drone pilot that's on the ground um, flying over that stuff. So yeah, there's all sorts of stuff we're doing. We're we're, you know we're implementing, which isn't necessarily directly tied to the inspection force. We're implementing e-ticketing. You know we have smart work zone systems out there, which kind of control you know control traffic flows and and radar, you know solar solar powered radar signs, you know to mitigate vehicle speeds. So you know we have all sorts of technology pilots that we're running out there, um, you know to keep inspectors, contractors, you know traveling public. Um, everybody kind of as safe
0: as we can I'm curious since you uh, were you about to say something Adam I don't want to cut you off
2: I was just
3: going to make a comment that what Mike's talking about from the surveying perspective right the the use of remote sensing tools drones in particular drones with LiDAR and um you know terrestrial based scanners or or mobile LiDAR is it, huge I mean, and and it's timely, Um, you know, scanning can take at the level that they're that they're probably scanning for what they're what they're doing. You're probably talking an hour or less to capture a snapshot of what the existing conditions look like and then that gets piped back into an office that's one hour of a guy out in a field setting up equipment pressing the button waiting for it to finish and then breaking it down same thing with a drone pilot that guy can stand anywhere off of a job site away from live traffic away from moving equipment and within an hour probably less can fly that drone over that site and return a complete snapshot in time for that day but again That's replacing what might take an entire day for two or three people to do, Um, you know, or more. It might take five days if you're talking about site-wide or maybe just one side of the highway. And I've been that guy before. I've been the guy who's standing out on the Gore area stripe where it splits between live traffic lane and an exit ramp uh, with no positive controls, you know. Barely even a police officer with lights on, just a guy with a vest and a and a pole, you know. Taking you know these technologies take a person like me twenty years ago completely out of that situation, out of live traffic, and and that's huge. That's where we're seeing technology like Mike's talking about really making a difference to reduce risk, control situations, remove people out of harm's way, and really increase uh, safety by reducing accidents.
0: I'm curious about the sort of the role of data availability as it ties into all that. Like, uh, Mike had brought up earlier all the, all the money that's out there for infrastructure work. And one of the FHWA initiatives is $34 million in grants for advanced digital construction management systems, which it's just about connecting infrastructure planning with the different phases of construction, making sure data is available to everyone on the project. And one of the things they sort of point to in their goals of the program is increasing both worker and pedestrian safety through like increased transparency and availability of that data. So I'm just curious what y'all's perspective on that is. Yeah, sure. Um,
2: so, yeah, that's big for us. Well, our job, I think as all jobs now are, are you know, truly paperless, you know, like I'm not even hooked up to the print, I'm exaggerating, but you know, I'm not hooked mm-hmm. up to the printer. It's not part of your daily workflows anymore. You know, so um, Condot adopts, which I think most DOTs is a SharePoint system. You know, the project gets initiated in its planning stage and it runs on that same SharePoint database, same SharePoint site, but we call it Compass in Connecticut, you know, from planning all the way through construction. You know, so design, design sharing their their models and their designs through that compass is taking all the submittals, taking all the reviews, taking all the correspondence and everything through um, through the software. So what it does for safety and in terms of the people, you know, that your guys are in the field, they have everything. Everybody has a standard issue, you know, super powerful tablet now. It's not even laptops anymore, connected to cellular. So you're in the field, you have a question, hey, they're building this wall, they're building this thing, they're building that, hey, you got to check, you don't have to go back to the field office anymore. You know, it's all right there in your hand. And kind of how it parlays into safety is, you know, hey, you're in the field, your contractor's putting out a work zone. You're not sure of the appropriate taper. You know, you're not sure about the barrel space and you're not sure where you should position your crash truck. Ten years ago, you had to go into the field office and hope you could flip through your 1,000-page contract to find the standard cookie-cutter, MPT, um, you know, details for the application that you're using in the field. Now it's in your palm. You know, you can control F, search function, you know, right lane closure, and in 30 seconds, you're standing on, the, you know, with your crew and you have the answer. You know, so you've you've reduced exposure to the public. You've kept your crew safer. Um you know the information is at your fingertips, so you know it's a it's a powerful tool, and that's kind of you know one, one tie back into the safety um, for those things. So I'm interested to see what Adam has to say.
3: Yeah, you know I I'm just sitting here pondering, Mike, as you're you're making that point that you know I think that we're we're just scratching the surface. You know, um, to your point, Nate, uh, you know, thirty four million dollars is uh, you know is is not small in one means or one respect, but it is in another, when you talk about mm-hmm. the IIJA uh, being, you know, a trillion and a half dollar bill. Um, but it's a step in the right direction. I, you know, we've seen things that are coming down the line in the not so distant future. Um, you know, things like use of, uh, you know, Google HoloLens or other um, sets of goggles that are gonna create augmented reality so that, you know, Mike is looking at a tablet and a set of plans right now, which is light years from where we were um, as he touched on, but imagine having a set of goggles on where you could actually see the barrels, in augmented reality out on the highway while you're walking. Or while you're inspecting something, and being able to tell the person putting them out they need to be, you know, moved an extra five feet because you can see that uh, that you know that augmented reality from something like a 3D model, and that's where we're headed, right? That that's absolutely where we are we are headed, and you know, I think, like I said, we're we're at a place where we're making good strides, but more needs to be, I think, appropriated in terms of funding to really push more of these initiatives along. And I think it's it's high past time. You know, We've seen uh, other industries that are light years ahead of construction. Uh, the, the airplane industry is one, right? Building information modeling for the AEC community is something that's new. It's new within the last 15, maybe 20 years, right? That's so kind of when we saw BIM start to take off, Revit mm-hmm. came along, those types of things. The reality is Boeing's been using it since the 60s and 70s, right? And they've been using it for the same purpose. Quality control, safety, uh, reduction of error, reduction of rework, those types of things. So, you know, I think construction is always one of those industries that lags behind mm-hmm. uh, and kind waits of to, waits to see what technology proves out. And that's why I think we're at a precipice where it's really an exciting time to be in construction in whatever facet it is, because I think there's a revolution coming, and I think we're right on the edge of it, you know, and we're we're seeing that with more and more of these technologies being rolled out in the last five years.
1: So, I'd like to just follow up a little on what you mentioned, Adam and Mike, and I guess first, you know, Nate did mention the IIJA bill, which does contain the ADCMS grant, which is 38 million for the next couple of years. But you know, IIJ is total about one trillion. And in in that bill, there's also 38 billion dedicated just to safety. And it stated like access to all modes of safety. I mean I'm not sure, honestly, exactly what that means, but it does show with what Nate mentioned, the safety call out and other elements of IIJA, it's certainly a push in the industry. And, you know, both Adam, you and Mike, were talking about some technology such as augmented reality and drones that you're utilizing or really see as the future of the industry. Which I agree with you, like now is such a great and really cool time to be in civil construction. But with that said, everyone's really busy as we've talked about there's a lot out there and you know technology is just changing so fast for like some of our listeners how would you recommend them learning about some of these technologies or even elements in the bill that they potentially could get funding for just because there's so much information out there and with everyone's valuable time do you have some just recommendations of places to go where things they should look into to easier get that information?
2: I'll let Adam take first rep at this one.
3: You know, there, it's a great point, Chad. Um, You know, and I think that, you know, as technologies in funding for technologies is rolled out, one of the main things that has to go along with it is just people's shift in, in, openness and willingness to to be able to explore it right construction is moving fast there's a lot of money coming down the line and it does raise you know that question that is there a tidal wave of funding coming for projects that's going to stymie uh, people's abilities to really vet out different technologies and uses but i think in this case mike made a great point before, you know, $150 million project in Condot, and they're using that as a test vehicle to try different things. So having a willingness to try different things and see it as an investment, especially on the private side. It's different with public funding, but on the private side, being willing to to make that investment, right? Safety is everybody's concern, it's everybody's business. Um, in particular, so if you've got technologies that can reduce safety, that ought to be something everyone buys into universally. But beyond that, uh, you know, looking at it as an investment, not as a cost, is a mind shift that has to happen. Um, and and I think once that happens, you know, there are plenty of resources available. The National Highway Institute is one of them. If you're talking about horizontal, who does a lot of research um and they're similar for the vertical market i know that the uh the agc uh does a lot of independent research as well in the vertical market and then there's even other there's other areas i mean we look at things like the national highway uh transportation and safety administration right NHTSA, who does a lot of vehicle testing well a lot of people probably don't know that a lot of their testing is also tied to to things that tie back into horizontal construction and highway construction, right? Guide rail, guide rail testing a lot of times is either done by them or funded by them through local, you know, state DOTS. Uh, I know Connecticut does its own, but it's funded through federal dollars through them, looking at um, you know crash barriers, uh, blunt end impacts looking at how cars react to to hitting barriers. I mean recently Connecticut changed its own uh, F-shaped barrier curb uh design based on testing that they've been doing for the last 10 years because vehicles have been getting bigger right Pickup trucks in the last 10 years aren't what they were in 2000 they're significantly bigger they're they're heavier um you know they're more powerful so you know there's a lot of information out there. I think to your point, Chad, how do you sift through it all? I think that people are going to have to slow down and take the time. They're going to have to take recommendations from other people that are trailblazers like anything else. And I think to some degree, it's like any other industry that's going through major change, kind of everything gets thrown at the wall. And it kind of feels like you're in a snow globe at times because there's so much out there, you don't know where to start. But eventually, I think some of the pieces that don't necessarily work the best start to fall away. They wane. The primary pieces that do work well, that others start to gravitate toward, do suspend. And eventually, there's, there's coalescing around general ideas and general products uh, or approaches to things that... When people start to buy into and and that's how we see the the industries usually progress toward you know whatever their revolution is and, and in whatever manner it's going to come from mike any thoughts around that
2: yeah so like i'm kind of just my mind's taking me to some things that we're doing out here and you know kind of how we got to that you know position with the firms that we're partnering with and what kept what i kept coming back to was partnering You know, these these smaller technology based firms that maybe aren't a full service engineering firm or that maybe aren't even really so much construction related, but think they have an avenue to benefit construction. You know, I think a lot of it is on these smaller technology startups or firms or whatever you want to call them. To, to seek out the full service firms, the firms that have the connections to, and I'm going to speak to DOT because that's most of my experience, but, you know, to, that have the connections to the DOTs that, you know, are willing to advocate for their product and use their relationships to bring their products to these projects. Like, for example, we're using a GIS um, photo storage software, which is new to Condot, never been used. We're piloting it through the DOT Pilots program, and it's a partnership that we've used for a sm- very small portion of our, our design work. So we have this relationship with this small, um, it's called Unearthed. It's a photo storage. They locate your photos by you know uh, GPS coordinates, and we document our job um, from a photographic standpoint based off of you know, where you took that photo so but that all started because we had built this firm had built this relationship with us you know a number of years ago through a small design project you know so now we are this firm's foot in the door to possibly if everything goes well being one of the dot's uh sole photo storage you know software companies which is you know an astronomical step or you know accomplishment for this for this small firm So I think it's just, you know, it's a lot on both, right? It's a lot on the full service firms to seek out the things that they need, you know, know they're deficient and know that the industry needs to improve on and maybe take a proactive step to reach out to these these smaller firms that they think they can partner with. And then flip it. Like I said, these smaller startups... Should be reaching out to the bigger firms that have the avenue to to the top to get their stuff kind of approved, and we don't know what we don't know in construction, right? The construction is the stereotypical sixty year old grumpy guy that you know doesn't really know how to use an iPhone, you mm-hmm. know. So we admittedly that's us, and we you know for the most part we admit it as an industry, and we we will gladly acknowledge we don't know what we don't know, but I think we have the right mindset to willingness to adapt and adopt. And, you know, the sky's the limit, you know? Um, and it's changing too, right? The, the age gap in the construction industry is changing. In the past 10 years, we've seen the senior, the senior leadership kind of all right off into the sunset. And, you know, my generation, the 35 to 45 generation, you know, it's our time to shine, you know? And we're a little bit more connected, you know, in a very general sense, you know, than the, the group that just left. So I think that's a great opportunity for technology more technology to be adopted in the industry
0: i'm also kind of curious the role that like necessity plays in getting some of these technologies and ideas out there like i was talking to uh, ron gant who has been a, a past guest of ours and he was telling me about how alabama dot um adopted e ticketing during the covid-19 pandemic because they had a you know an outbreak uh, amongst their t- truck drivers and you know anecdotally it infotech we saw a rise in remote bidding because people needed to have like remote openings um during the pandemic i'm curious from y'all's perspective like spinning it back and looking it back do you think the pandemic played a role in some of these tech ad- adoptions like just sort of out of the necessity to grow and create social distancing or whatever requirements were sort of introduced during that time
3: yeah i mean if you ask me uh... If we were standing on the cliff looking down at the abyss of change in the construction industry, the pandemic was the proverbial kick from behind that sent us over the edge. Um, and it's what we needed. The pandemic isn't necessarily what
0: right, we needed. of course. Yeah.
3: The, the kick over the edge, uh, as I alluded to before, uh, in, in an industry that is slow to change, like Mike just said, you know, that's uh, especially generational change because. Prior to, let's say, the last three years, construction has been a very generational-based industry, as Mike alluded to. You know, anybody in this industry thinks of construction as being that grumpy old guy, right, who is not technology savvy, uh, you know, running around yelling at people, uh, you know, ordering them to do things. And yet... Look at where we are now in just three years as that, you know, kind of baby boomer generation, as Mike alluded to, is you know, finally I beyond probably the halfway points, probably in the sunset of its retirement. The generation that he and I represent that is kind of the first generation that remembers a time without technology, without internet, and grew up during the technology revolution and internet. Is now bringing construction to a place where instead of being defined by its generational labor capacity, it's being defined by its technology capacity, right? We're seeing less uh, labor and more being done with technology um, in, in it. And, and we're just at the tip of the iceberg, like I said at the opening. Uh, but yeah. Certainly the pandemic was was, I think, one of the major triggers that really kicked us over that edge. Um, to your point, Nate, yeah, e-ticketing, uh, you know, and and social distancing uh forced forced the hand in a lot of that. you know, without things like that, without things like remote bidding or or paperless bidding, uh, we probably would have brought the economy, uh, large sectors of the economy, construction being one of them, to a grinding halt. Uh, and that certainly was not an option. And once we got into that method of doing things, A, it's always easier to stay in that method once we've got it somewhat refined and it works well. We're not going to wholesale change things on on uh, you know on a, on a broad basis quickly. Um, but I think we're also starting to see the fruits of that. You know, fruits that we probably thought were there, maybe academics had them on paper. Mm -hmm. What does work from home look like? What is, you know, using drone technology or scanning look like? Now they're widespread. Now we're seeing the benefits of them. In this podcast, we're talking about safety. Again, we're seeing huge safety improvements and and reduction uh, just in things with, you know, drones and scanning and using digital construction management systems on iPads. Um, but, you know, I think that the pandemic has played a very, very large role in really pushing us to do that.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, as I, like I said, mostly experienced, you know, a DOT project slower to adapt and adopt some of these newer technologies. So I think I can speak more to, you know, just the the atmosphere, or the you know the how how the industry handles now working from home, you know that's now accepted. Mm-hmm. When, when I came into the industry as a construction inspector, you did not get paid for a second that you were not on site. You know that was just the industry standard. You are on, get paid when you are on site. If you're late you're late if you're got to do leave early to go to a doctor's you got to leave early. you're only you're getting a short day you know so i think the industry's willingness to adopt like hey you can go to a doctor's office and you can be on site for six hours but hey i have no problem with you doing your reports at home at eight o'clock if to get your other two hours in you know because you know that's how you're that's how life happens you know so i think that's a huge change um that the industries make because construction i mean it still is very much a 90 percent boots on the ground type of job but um it just provides that little bit of flexibility to bring the work life balance back into it and you know soften some of that mental mental fatigue you know and then for you know positions like name positions but for you know administrative roles on a project you know you you're, you're less tied to the field office you know you can do 50% of your day or your pro- or your work from home you know so it's freed up a lot of you know time and I guess, the word i'm looking for it's not coming come come to the tip of my tongue but you know change the philosophy
0: yeah it's a philosophical shift and and yeah to your point like maybe reduces some of that mental fatigue that we talked about at the start of this episode
3: yep Yeah, I think that's the key right there, what Mike said as to why we see FHWA promoting things like advanced digital construction management systems, right? Softwares as a service, similar to what Infotech provides, or or there are others out there, is it provides that flexibility and that balance. And again, running that back to safety. If a guy can take a tablet home or a tablet anywhere and do his work from anywhere, he doesn't need to be doing it in a place where he's at risk and that's 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 an immediate connection right there
0: awesome i have one last question for y'all just because it wouldn't be a podcast literally any podcast that you listen to nowadays if we didn't mention artificial intelligence Um, so i'm just curious just looking forward into the future if you guys see what the role of AI might be in protecting safety, I know some of that drone data processing, I know it has a role in capacity management as well. I'm just curious if you have any, any thoughts there as we uh, wrap this one up.
2: No, I mean, <laughs> I mean I mean you're construction guy, right? I'm, yeah, right. I'm my power to fight this AI stuff. So no, I don't really know. I don't know, you know, admittedly really don't know much about it, don't know really what it can bring to the table. Um, so I can't really comment too much on, on this subject.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, a writer by trade. So uh, a lot of the generative of AI has also uh, you know introduced some fears into to my mind as well.
3: No, i'll no. just say that there is some of it going on in construction tech already we we are seeing it in certain places survey is one of them scanning is one of them um, there are providers out there who have instrumentation that will scan and use um artificial intelligence that that will look at photographs it's taking while it's scanning and will actually draft 3D point cloud, so we're not just getting a point cloud. We're now getting connected line work in that point cloud um, by a system which is comparing points collected to photographs it took and can recognize the difference uh, between things like colors and shades um, and you know angularity of line work. Uh, again, that's that's completing uh, you know, hours and hours and hours. What, what used to take a week, let's say for a survey company to perform can be done in less than four hours, depending on the size of a project. In some cases where 95% of the drafting is completed by AI driven software. Um, we're also seeing that same thing, uh, you know, in a lot of photo driven processes, Mike, kind of, you were talking about, uh, you know, that, the small company that's that's locating your photographs by gps Mm -hmm. we're even seeing that in there right we're seeing that where it's not only taking the data the metadata out of photographs but then it's looking at the photographs and it's quantifying things it sees in the photographs as an extension of that um or or creating um you know creating things like 3d point clouds out of photographs um every iphone Nowadays, since the iPhone 11 has mobile LiDAR on it, whether people realize it or not, same with most iPads or iPad Pros. You take a photograph with that, to the most end user, it's a photograph. But embedded in there is is uh, geospatial data. And we're starting to see AI-driven softwares that are taking that geospatial data and doing all kinds of neat things with it. I echo Mike's sentiment. Construction is always going to be very much a um, person-driven industry. Technology is only going to be able to go so far. There will be limits where technology that's meant to make things faster, easier, more productive, and more safe will cross a threshold where those things become problematic. And that inevitably is where we usually find the limits of how much we can do with the technology that at our fingertips. Um, to your point, Nate, you know, AI can write some really great things, but when you get in there and you start to edit it, I think you and I both know there's a lot of times that there's things in there that need to be adjusted or fixed by a human. Um, so I don't see, I don't see AI completely replacing, uh, humanity, but certainly augmenting us and some of our Mm -hmm. more arduous duties, uh, I think is definitely something we see coming down the line.
2: Yeah. Sure. And I'll, I'll jump in and just share something that came to mind real quick. So I was talking with the district manager the other day and he's using AI more as a tool to guide his meetings and his negotiations. So he'll he'll say, hey, based off of, you know, a book that he really likes, the fundamentals of negotiating or something, he'll say, based off of this book, you know, what are three effective ways to negotiate XYZ with a contractor? And then AI will spit out, you know, you know, sound talking points on, hey, this is the best way to get your contractor to agree with you based off of what you provided me, or this is the best way for you to get your contractor to say no, or, or you know, best way to get your contractor to say yes. So, you know, maybe not so much a direct field implicate, you know, application of, of AI, but kind of, a, you know, and it was an eye-opening for me as somebody, that, you know, that's not the best with the English language, or maybe, you know, always looking for the right word to say, um, I appreciated that and it was kind of a different angle to look at the use of ai in in construction and you know administer administering these construction projects
0: yeah that's really neat it's it's kind of like everything we've touched on today another tool in the toolbox but it's ultimately going to come down to the humans and involved um awesome well this has been an awesome discussion chad do you have any other final points you want to get out there before we wrap this thing up
1: no, I think it's been a great discussion and, you know, we're certainly in a very exciting time in the industry. And I think over the next couple of years, you know, we're going to see more change than, you know, we have in the past decade, but ultimately it's all going to be for the good to make jobs more efficient and people safer.
0: We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into con- construction industry safety and the role of technology. You can learn more about Infotech, And our software solutions at infotechinc.com or you can always email chad or i and we'll be happy to provide you with more information Uh, you can find our contact information in the description of the episode a big thank you to michael adam and chad for sitting down with us and thank you to all of our listeners thank you to infotech for supporting this podcast and as always keep it civil